at all. Um, this is Kathy T, uh, and I live in Kansas, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I was born in Kansas and lived most of my life here, um, except for about 16 years when I was married to a kind of a nomadic sort of fellow. And I was the youngest of two. Uh, my brother was charming, and um, although he was reckless and got in all kinds, should have gotten in all kinds of trouble, he really didn't. Um, but, you know, um, my family situation was tough at home. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and um, um, things were riotous and always disagreeable. But um, I, you know, I don't blame that, at least anymore. I may have at one time, but I don't blame that anymore for anything um, that happened to me, um, the choices I made or my choices. Um, but uh, sometimes it helps to know kind of where you come from. Um, we did um, go to a very strict church. It was, um, it seemed like God was very condemning, vengeful, you know, overbearing. I always believed in God, but he wasn't the kind, loving father that <clears throat> I know today. I could never do enough to overcome the doom that I always felt inside. And this is really an important part of my story, so I don't want to gloss over it and um, just let you think that, you know, I'm just telling you this uh, because this is really important uh, to uh, who I am and how I live today. <clears throat> I'm sorry, my voice is kind of scratchy these last couple of weeks. Um, in my family's, <clears throat> in my mother's family, it, food was really important. Uh, no matter what we did, where we went, there was always food. And uh, me, being a very young compulsive overeater, loved it. Uh, there was food always set out on the buffet. Uh, we had great big, huge dinners and uh, lots of goodies. And everything was just left out on the table so you could grab any time you wanted. And, of course, I grabbed often. Every time I'd run past the table, I'd grab. Um, I'm talking about 50 people. And people bringing enough food for 50. And you know, when you bring food, there's always, almost always double the amount of food that you need to eat. <clears throat> and it was good Midwestern food. It was really good food from back when, you know, comfort food. Um, and um, so all the women in my family are huge, obese, morbidly, most of them. Um, and, um, you know, some people think that this is a genetic thing. And it maybe possibly is, but um, I don't believe that um, just because you're obese that you're a compulsive overeater. I can tell you now that as I was a child, food was my knight in shining armor. I loved to eat. That was my main, my main thing in life. If I could eat, if I could sneak food, uh, that was wonderful. I was happiest when I could eat. I wasn't comfortable in my skin. I liked to isolate even then uh, because um, I didn't have to listen to turmoil. I didn't have to deal with people that were screaming, yelling, or any of that. Um, you know, I always thought I was really, really fat. But when I look back at pictures now, I just see I was, you know, just chubby. Um, 
but in my mind I was huge and that's what makes the difference is our mind uh, I remember though in fifth grade uh, one time well I remember several things you know I couldn't get out of the little seats you know they had those little um, desks with the seats attached and uh, I'd have to hold down the desk so I wouldn't pull the whole seat out uh, and make a clunk as I got out of it uh, but I remember um, that I weighed 154 pounds in the fifth grade and um, uh, the teacher weighed us all and uh, said now remember how much you weigh because I'm going to ask you at the end how much you weigh oh man was I just totally you know embarrassed totally ashamed uh, because I weighed 154 and most people weighed 80 something but she was kind and came back to me and said how much do you weigh you know and so I could tell her but of course everybody knew what she was doing over the summers I visit my grandparents and oh how I loved that um, for two reasons I love my grandparents they were so good to me and so kind and patient but also they had a little grocery store down the way and um, so I could go down there and I could get you know penny candy uh, that was two for one and uh, of course I like to do that because I could get all kinds of sweets and I, I just love that uh, I also um, remember one of the worst times in my life was about food and my grandma and um, she I found a candy bar that she had and I was eating it when she came home and I didn't want her to see that I was eating it of course being a sneak eater and so I pushed it down in front of me and she saw me doing that she came in she said what are you hiding and I said nothing and uh, she tried to uh, find out what I was eating and I, I fought her you know and I just I'm so still today so so sorry and that was one of my amends and of course she knew nothing about it but you know I still just really disliked it that I, I treated her that way uh, the next summer I didn't do anything ugly like that I just got into her ex-lax which is laxative and I ate a whole bar of chocolate well you know what that did to me but you know having that taste of chocolate was still okay um, so in high school like I said I thought I was huge but I really wasn't that large um, today you know in today's standards people wouldn't have even thought of me as being heavy um, but I thought and that's the whole thing I thought I thought I thought all the whispers and laughters and stares were about me and my size um, people I thought bullied me because I was larger than most of the girls not unattractive but larger true I was bigger than most girls but you know not that much bigger it was all in my head I wanted to stay away from people I didn't want the ridicule and so I just stay away I kept myself in this little isolation uh, I really really did a job on myself then my parents got divorced right after high school and so I made some bad choices um, there was a guy out in California uh, that I met I went up there with my brother and I met this guy right away and um, you know he thought I was just the cutest little chickadee well nobody ever thought of me like that you know and so I um, I hooked up with him right away and got married uh, you know I can believe this eight weeks after I knew him uh, we were married for 16 and a half years the best thing that we enjoyed 
I won't say the best, I shouldn't say the best, but the thing that we most enjoyed was eating together. And you know what it was, sweets. We ate sweets all the time. Uh, we moved uh, 30 sometimes in 16 and a half years because he wanted to move all the time. Uh, he was uh, abusive and somewhat physical abusive, and um, um, that's the story of my first marriage. Um, I was yo-yoing kind of, okay, so during my marriage that time, I went up to 349 pounds. I lost back down, um, and but I still kind of yo-yoed. But I was single, right? And I knew that if I wanted um, to find a guy, that I couldn't be up around 349, which I realize today is not impossible, but back then in my mind, I knew it was. Um, and um, um, I also find it wonderfully amazing that large people can attract people, that people can find them attractive. I always thought obese people were unattractive. That's not so. Obese people can be attractive. It all depends on your inner qualities. And I didn't realize that back then. I thought it was all about size. Um, so um, I started dating this man, and um, after a while, and he was different than me. He was, uh, he had it together. Uh, he was very wise and um, uh, had life. You know, he knew what li what he wanted in life and everything, and. Uh, not too long, um, we'd been dating for about a year, and he said, you know, this just isn't working out for me. Well, I was devastated. And, of course, <clears throat> uh, you know, I was also battling food, trying to stay, you know, at like a, maybe a 240 or 220, something like that. And I was battling white-knuckling it. And um, I ended up in, in um, a treatment center for abused women and addictive relationships. And that's where my OA story begins. Um, so actually, I started with other OA programs um, about abuse and things like that. But eventually, I realized that you know one of my problems was uh, compulsively overeating. I went to a, a, I lived in a small town, so I had no OA then, and it, there wasn't phones or you know computers or anything because I'm an old lady. Um, I'll be 75 next year, so I'm old. And um, uh, anyway. Um, uh, so I went to a, a meeting and uh, and I started really working. And when I say really working, I mean I worked hard. Um, went to meetings, uh, did all kinds of readings. I mean I threw myself into the program, and um, I you know I started getting recovery, and um, I started using. Remember that higher power or that God that I didn't like? Well. I started refocusing and redefining who God was, and I had a a, um, a religious organization that helped me. Um, I don't belong to that organization right now, but they blessed me a great deal of helping me find uh, my God, who's loving and kind and forgiving and generous and strong and helpful, and you know all those things that that a higher power needs to be. 
but this guy that broke um, off with me about six, seven months later started calling again. And um, you know what? He was interested in me again. And this time, though, I had, you know, some sobriety, some... Um, I learned a lot of things in OA about myself and things that I needed for myself and things that um, uh, I required out of other people. I wasn't just going to be the giver all the time anymore. You know, I could set boundaries. I set boundaries, and this man said, okay, I can do those. I can do those things. And sure enough, he did. And uh, he even took me to OA meetings. He took me to... Um, I went through some sexual abuse counseling. He took me there. Uh, he took me all around everywhere. And in a couple of years, we were married. And we've been married for 32 years now. And I just thank God for him. Um, so um, my OA program, um, I uh, stayed in the program for uh, probably three years after we were married or so, you know, and like I said, he took me, he supported me. Uh, I have no idea uh, why I ever stopped going to OA. I just absolutely do not know why. I can't tell you other than I just stopped doing the program, uh, which was a mistake. Uh, I never did lose contact with my higher power. Um, I just didn't use him. I still talked to him. I still loved him. I still did those kind of things. But, you know, just knowing who he is, saying, you know, you have a higher power, saying God's on your side doesn't do it. For me, I had to use him, and I wasn't using him. Uh, I had to call on him. I had to say, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I, you know, I, I don't know how to make it through the day. And I stopped doing those things. Sure, I still prayed to him, but it wasn't the same. Um, it was more about me and less about him and other people. And that's what uh, one of the big things that always taught me is that it's not about me. Uh, it's about loving other people, caring for other people, doing for other people. Uh, and that's a big part of my life I absolutely love. Love, love, love helping other people, especially people in the program. Um, it's um, just a huge part of my life right now, uh, and I'm very happy that it is. I don't compulsively overeat my my plan. I don't call it abstinence um, or a diet or anything like that. It's just my daily plan, and it's much different than most people. I still eat flour and sugar, and most people don't. Um, but I don't eat. There's certain binge foods I don't eat. Um, and I have a, thank you. Uh, I have certain restrictions on my life, and that's all okay. I'm okay with all of that because this life is so much better than the life I had before OA. Um, <clears throat> a big thing for me is service. Um, I know that if I did not do service, I would not be here today. I know that my addiction would take over. Um, you know, I, I believe in prayer. I believe in, uh, you know, working the steps. I do tens when I have to. I don't have to do it too much anymore, but when I do, I do it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> my higher power, I call it the ticker tape. Uh, 
um, so the, the the ones that talk, you know, uh, negative program to me, you know, negative life are minions uh, that chitter chatter and God is ticker tape. And the ticker tape starts running through. And if I don't catch it the first time, he doesn't stop. He runs it through again and he runs it through again. And then I know, okay, hey, listen, I'm going to get rid of that ticker tape. I'm going to do a 10 step. And so I do a 10 step. I do 11 step. I bet in the last three years, I've only missed two or three maybe four. I'm just really religious about that. Um, you know, it's my higher power that keeps me sane and, and able to be the person that I am that I like. And um, service keeps me grounded. It keeps me uh, um, responsible. It keeps me happy. I mean, I'm really happy doing service. So I guess I'm telling you this. So if you're not doing service and you're stumbling a little bit, try it. You might just like it, and it might help you as much as it helped me. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you allowed me to talk tonight. Uh, I love the program. I love you. And uh, life wouldn't be nearly as wonderful as it is for me right now if it wasn't for you and for the program. Um, my name again is Kathy T. My number is 620-660-5357. And I love outreach calls. I really can't take on anyone else right now. But, um, you know, I love outreach calls, so just give me a shout, okay? Thanks so much. Thanks, Tammy, for uh, letting me speak at your meeting. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us tonight. Um, would you like to suggest a topic for us to share on this evening? Um, sure. Um, how about, this is totally off the wall, um, how about defiance versus reliance? Okay. And I just realized that I didn't stop the tape, so I'm going to do that now. <laughs>